The Diplomacy Dojo is a weekly discussion led by your board brother about diplomacy tactics and strategies. Let's listen in on what our players are discussing this week. Okay, let's go on to the next topic of how to solo as Italy. So I think this is a really interesting question because at the at the outset, experienced diplomacy players like the really good players often really like to play Italy. And that's true of me as well. I consider myself to be a good diplomacy player and I also like Italy a lot. I think that at a high level of play, Italy solo wins a lot more often than than uh, most players are used to experiencing. So in your typical or low-level average game of diplomacy, Italy has a pretty good chance of making it into a draw. Like, okay, you know, if you play your cards right, you should have a good, really good chance of making it into a draw. That's because Italy straddles all kinds of really critical uh, stalemate line positions in mo- m- many matches the match will come down to who controls Portugal or Marseille or Tunis or Munich or something like that. And Italy has the ability to be there and influence that outcome in many matches. So Italy has a has a good shot at a draw. People understand that. Also, Italy is rarely attacked immediately. Austria very rarely attacks Italy in 1901. That's extremely rare. Uh, it's rare for France to come after Italy that early. So you get some time to let the game play out a little bit. And that increases your chances of, of, I think, of making it into a draw because few players just try to blow you away immediately. But it's surprising to some people to hear that Italy is a pretty good power at getting solo wins in a high-level game of diplomacy and that strong diplomacy players enjoy playing Italy or even prefer to play Italy. That's uh, that'll be strange to them. I think Italy stinks. You just get to four centers and then you just do nothing for six years and then uh, either lose or draw. They'll say something like that. And so referencing back to what I said just a moment ago about Russia and choosing a strategy that plays to the strengths of that power, to solo win consistently as Italy requires you to play the game in such a way that is conducive to an Italian solo win. And that means taking advantage of the fact that few powers are going to come after Italy early and take advantage of the fact that Italy is positioned in this very, very central spot on the board. That means finding ways, in my, in my opinion, in my opinion as a diplomacy player, to fling your units all over the map. You don't have to concentrate them into a ball for defense, and you don't have to concentrate them into a spear for offense. So like when I'm playing Turkey, I often am trying to concentrate all my units in the Mediterranean or a bunch of armies up in the north. Somehow I can concentrate them so that I can keep relentlessly marching forward and make progress. Or when I'm playing defensively, like I'm France, oh, I'm on the defense. I want to form a little fence of units at Burgundy and Mid-Atlantic Ocean or something. And Italy doesn't need to do those things. Italy can. You can play Italy defensively and you can go offensive all out in one direction but players will typically find that that doesn't very likely result in a win uh, if you if you do that so instead you take advantage of the fact that most players don't want to attack Italy early on and are looking for other things to do don't give them a reason to attack you 
send your armies and your fleets into interesting areas of the board and get yourself involved in the different conflicts. This will give you incredible diplomatic influence as the powers jockey to get that support. Hey, here's my fleet over here in Western Mediterranean Sea. I could support hold France to defend the Atlantic Ocean or I could support England into the Atlantic Ocean. Hey, here's this army in Piedmont. Maybe I'm going to attack Marseille. Sykes actually moving to Tyrolia. Hey, Germany, maybe I'm going to maybe I'm going to attack Munich. Maybe I'm not. Uh, oh, actually, whoop, I moved it to Bohemia. And you can the as the players are or one player gets too powerful, you'll have units in position to balance out that power. If there's a player who's playing in a way that's not to your liking, you'll have units in position to influence them. It is possible to, by like 1903 or 1904, just have four or five centers and be involved in every single aspect of the match. And by getting units, uh, eventually somewhere, somehow, Someone's going to want to support those units into centers and be like, oh, Germany, I mean, I'll, I'll support you into Warsaw or I'll support you into Berlin or I'll support you into Spain. I'll support you into Constantinople, something like that. They'll, they'll, they'll want you to – it won't be defensible. You won't have a concentration of forces that's capable of holding those centers under your own might. But that will give you a few more units and you can sort of horse trade centers around. And what this will do is in the long run when you decide to really make an attack – to bring somebody down, you'll have units very far away from your starting position. You could have an army over in Livonia or an army that's over in Burgundy or a fleet that's up in like Norwegian Sea. By, by having played this way, you have these units, a few units that are flung to distant areas of the map. What you've used is you've used the time you had in the beginning of the game where you weren't in much danger and you didn't create any threat to anybody that they would come after you, you use that time to, to create units that will eventually become raiders. Are you familiar with the term raider? Yeah, a raider is a unit that's, that's behind the enemy defensive line that can break support holds or capture centers that aren't defended. And this is what enables an Italian solo win or even makes it inevitable when Italy reaches, let's say, 12 or 13 centers. Because if you're in Italy that's got 12 centers one of which is Denmark or, or, or something like that. Oh my gosh, it's going to be almost impossible for the other players to, to do anything about it. That you'll, you, you, can, you now can concentrate your forces and you've got one or even two raiders that are preventing them from forming any defensive positions. And if you're smart and you know how to play diplomacy, say, okay, if a stalemate line is impossible to form, then I should just eventually win. If they can't form a stalemate line once I have a sufficient number of units. And so the way to play Italy is to focus on positions and getting and, – and if you reach that point where most of the powers are still alive, nobody else has, has consolidated power, then a solo win becomes possible. And you can see the style of play that I just described is not very natural to most diplomacy players. It's very different from how you would play the other six powers. Uh, it doesn't feel intuitive doesn't feel right, like, oh, I'm just sending my units away, I'm not doing anything, I'm not making captures, but you're getting influence and you're building strategic power that's going to matter later on. So, for example, although I did not solo win, a solo win might have been possible for me if the game had played out slightly differently. In my uh, second round, the semifinals of the ODC 2019, I got Italy, and I had 
units that were menacing Turkey, units up in the center of the, the map, up in uh, no man's land. And I had something to, I had dealings with all the other powers and everyone was trying to get me to attack everybody else. I ended the match with the Turkish home centers and the German home centers. I had, I had armies in Munich, Berlin, and I believe I had Kiel. I think I had all three German home centers. And uh, as it were, Italy, Austria, my, my main ally, had consolidated a lot of power and therefore wasn't really a viable backstab target without something bad happening. However, it could have been different. If I had initiated my solo win attempt by backstabbing Austria with already control of the three German home centers, it would have been very difficult for the other powers to stop me, because even if they knocked me out of Kiel, I still have Munich and Berlin. That's two centers on the northern side of the stalemate line. Even if they'd knocked me out of one of those, I still have one that, that, that I might be able to defend long enough. And at that time, uh, England and France were still at war, and England was mostly intact, and they had not. there's not much trust between them. It was possible. It was totally possible if the if the match had played out slightly differently. The Austrian player was very good and also, all, 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 I think, missed making it to the final round with me by just a small number of points and came in eighth instead of seventh to make it to the final round. So it makes sense to me that a player of such caliber wouldn't have given me any opportunity to, to backstab and get the solo win. But that's an example. I, I, I The last time I played Italy in a press uh, diplomacy match that I can recall, I played that way and it was very effective and very fun. You do want to make sure you're maintaining your center count somehow. You know, you're like if you're not, you're not going to win if you only ever have four or five. But which centers they are in particular is not so important. You can definitely use gunboat diplomacy strategies in press diplomacy, but there are more, many more options available in press diplomacy. So the the main standout option that's not available in gunboat but is a really intriguing prospect in press diplomacy is the wintergreen alliance strategy alliance with russia because you can have uh, conversations with russia from the very beginning even though you don't have much that you can coordinate and develop a plan where you're going to play austria and turkey off one off the other and then bring down both of them once they're entangled or really fighting or, or kill them off one at a time this is this is a very strong strategy because the other players ha will have a very hard time detecting it since Italy and Russia are natural allies and don't they, they have nothing really to fight over in the they have, they have all, nothing to fight over in the beginning of the game and they might not be helping each other in a way that's very clear. The other thing is that Austria, I mean uh, that Russia and Italy can agree to just take down Austria right away and in press diplomacy you might be able to hose austria and both of you say hey let's take out turkey yeah 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 and then just attack you know make a dmz in galicia russia violates it italy promises not to attack italy moves immediately into tyrolia and then you start making supported attacks on austria and bring austria down fast that um it's risky for italy to do that because of course if it turns out juggernaut is is gonna happen the alliance with russia and turkey then you'll regret having destroyed austria so fast uh, but that's not something you can do in gunboat. You can't hatch a plot with Russia at all. It's not possible. There's not easy. There's no. There's no secret signal you can send. Even if you communicate to Russia with your moves, Austria and Turkey can still see this. Whereas in press diplomacy, you can hatch a secret plot with Russia, 
and have uh, some complicated plans or backstab players at the same time. That's something that I think, as an Italian player, to take very seriously in press diplomacy. If Russia seems like a like a, a decent ally to you, and they seem sincere about doing this, uh, then that can be the way to go. Another thing is that uh, in gunboat diplomacy, I consider it to be uh, insane, uh, crazed, to attack Germany early on as Italy, since uh, Germany is Germany in, in gunboat in gunboat diplomacy. Germany is a natural ally of Italy in the sense that neither of them have much overlap in their solo win plans, or it's the least amount of overlap that, that Italy has with some other power. And although Russia is truly Italy's more natural ally in the strategic sense, Russia is destroyed so fast, often in gunboat diplomacy, that uh, that's that or, or weakened beyond uh, beyond help, that Italy can't really rely on or count on some help from Russia. So since Germany's pretty strong in gunboat diplomacy, that's a more realistic power to balance out the power dynamics when things get dangerous. So if Germany does well, then Italy is likely to do well or at least get in a draw if the game ends in a draw. Therefore, taking out Germany early is going to result in a couple of things. In gunboat, it's going to result in you not keeping any of those gains that you got. They're going to be, you're, going to, you're going to be kicked out very quickly uh, by England or France. Uh, and all you did was just supercharge probably England. Uh, probably England's just been supercharged by what you did, and you're not going to have anything to show for it. And getting that far out of position often results in Austria or Turkey just attacking you because in gunboat players are a lot more aggressive. So in press diplomacy, I, I say consider you know a, a alliances with France or England that might, uh, or even Russia, that involve attacking Germany early because you can use your press to secure your situation with Austria or Turkey. The players might not just immediately drive you back out of those sense, etc. Um, but in gumbo diplomacy, I would say just never ever do it. Do do not under any any that's not wise. You're not going to win. Uh, that's even. I, I recommend against attacking Austria immediately as Italy in gumbo diplomacy. If you want a solo win, I recommend against attacking Germany as Italy if you want to survive. <laughs> it's 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 a whole level worse than immediately attacking Austria. Uh, players do it. I see it. Uh, they don't. They don't do well, but I see them try, and I I think it's because they get bored or desperate. They don't understand what they're supposed to do as Italy, so they just do something maniacal and uh, attack Germany immediately, or they or they mislearned a lesson from press diplomacy. They saw that work out well. Like I spoke fondly of a, of a game where I thought I did pretty good as Italy, a high level press game, and involved me invading Germany completely. Uh, not not in 1901, but. Uh, pretty early on, I attacked Germany at Munich, and then went, subsequently went on to attack all the German home centers, and uh, it worked out for me. But I wouldn't try something like that in gunboat diplomacy. I wouldn't dare. I I think it was possible that I could solo win from there because I would have had to I would have had to have an opportunity to backstab Austria, who was my main ally, in order to get the win. And Austria played in such a way that made it very difficult. There was, you know, if I if I had a backstabbed, it probably would have resulted in Austria just putting up a defense for such a super long time that I wouldn't have been able to win. But if Austria had misplayed or I had lured Austria into lowering their defenses somehow, something you know, something along those lines, which is typically how you're going to win 
uh, impress diplomacy anyway is setting up for an incredible backstab against your main ally at the opportune moment. Uh, then I would have started my solo win run with three centers and three armies on the other side of the stalemate line. Many times in diplomacy, when I'm trying to begin a solo win run, I have maybe a chance at capturing a center on the other side of the stalemate line, or I have exactly one that I feel like is pretty defensible. Maybe I'll go for it. So if I, let's say that you were, let's just, just think for a moment. Let's say that you were uh, Turkey and you controlled Munich, Berlin, and Kiel. Wouldn't you say, oh my God, you're about to win if you, if you control that stuff as Turkey or you control that as Austria. And it, it's the similar thing going on with Italy. To control so much on the other side of the stalemate line, the traditional north-south stalemate line is very advantageous. And I was able to do that without terrorizing the board or causing Austria to change sides because my total number of centers wasn't that high. And in one of my recent articles on my blog for solo win tips, get big without getting scary or get strong without getting scary. I forget exactly something, you know, the, the point is how do, how do you stop people from changing sides as you start capturing supply centers? And one of my most important advices, I think, and one of my most important aspects of these tips, the supply centers are not all worth the same. Some are worth much more than others. You could have nine or 10 supply centers, but have an incredible level of power because you have this, the most important ones already. So other players don't perceive just how good your position is. So to have a way to play Italy in a way that will enable you to solo win is to get these, these distant supply centers or centers that cross the stalemate line or to get your raiders in position so that you're getting so much strategic power without being at, let's say, 15 or 16 supply centers. So it's really obvious that you're going to solo win or that you could solo win and players will line up to stop you. Italy has this really big opportunity to, to pull this off. If your first three centers as Italy are Portugal, Spain, and Marseille, you've got, let's say, seven now. You've got seven centers, but you're probably indestructible <laughs> having achieved those positions. From there, you could easily move east while, while defending those positions because, as you, as you well know from your experience, a France who only has Portugal, Spain, and Marseille can last for years and years and years. So, of course, you could defend for a while as, as Italy if you control those centers and concentrate east. Or alternatively, you could throw more and more forces west and become a kind of a fake France who's capable of getting reinforcements out from inside the Mediterranean or something like that. That's a that's a like once in a blue moon strategy is Italy to concentrate everything on west and roll up France. I've done it. If you can get that initial part to happen where you become fake France, you probably could win from there uh, because most players don't understand how to form a stalemate line that's capable of blocking you. And so if you're if you're Italy, you've got all your four or whatever rough starting centers and you've got four or five of the French starting centers, so to speak. So maybe you've got eight or nine. Doesn't sound that intimidating. Oh, nine supply centers. That person's not, not even close to winning, even though like actually you're super duper strong. <laughs> you might be able to win from that position. So that's the reason why that's advantageous, consistent with this advice that I'm talking about to focus on making captures that are strategic, have much more strategic value than the number of centers would imply. That's why I advise so much against attacking Austria as the first target because the Balkan centers have minimal strategic value. 
There's seven of them, that the three Austrian home centers and the four neutrals. There's seven centers in the Balkans. So your count of supply centers will balloon to a huge number as you capture all the Balkans. And basically none of them have any strategic value to Italy. They're relatively easy to capture. They don't give you a position that helps you. They don't help you invade Turkey, really. They don't help you. <laughs> so it, it, you'll, you'll get to 13 and then everyone will stop you. Although both groups of centers are defensible, the French centers are very difficult to capture during endgame because they are defended easily, whereas the Turkish centers don't fall behind many defensive lines. So there are, there are a lot of boards where Turkey has, let's say, or not, not just Turkey, but the, the three Turkish home centers in Anatolia are not, they're not terribly defensible during end game, actually. During early game and mid game, they're very defensible. But during end game, it's quite difficult to form a defensive line that's impenetrable. It is possible. To put it another way, if I'm Italy and I need, okay, I need three centers for the win. And if those three centers are the Turkish home centers, I'm feeling pretty good. If those three centers are Marseille, Portugal, and Spain, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm not going to win. If uh, if you have the wintergreen alliance with Russia, a lot of times Russia's going to want some or even all of the Turkish centers, and that's a pretty that's a that's what what Russia's bargaining for. Russia wants those centers too. Most Russian players appreciate that the Turkish home centers are much more valuable than some Balkan centers. So that'll often be where the negotiation in that alliance really gets interesting. Is, is okay, well, is, is Italy going to get Smyrna? What about, like, Constantinople? If Russia wants two of the Turkish home centers or three of them, then what's Italy getting in a compensation and, and so on? It'll, you know, there's a lot of different ways that it could play out. You will probably have to wisely backstab Russia and start rolling up Russia's gains before Russia can put them into a defensive position. So Italy is different from the other countries where I say that they're, hey, you know, you know like France has an A plan. A plan. If I can pull it off, I'll invade all of Great Britain, take those centers, and then go for the win. You know, that, that's, a, that's an A plan. I mean, Turkey's got an A plan, maybe. Uh, but Italy... I. I I don't see thinking like that as conducive to being successful as Italy and applying that kind of that kind of logic that those players are like I just got to invade Austria that's what you got to do. No, nah, I mean you can, but if if you start the match with that in mind before seeing what happens, before talking to the players, no, you're not going to have a good game as Italy. It's precisely the flexibility and opportunism and playing playing up to that gives Italy the best opportunity to solo. All right. Maybe I'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe and review the podcast on iTunes. To learn more from your board brother and to participate in the dojo, visit brotherboard.com. Thanks to Loyalty Freak Music for the theme music. It feels good to be alive, too.